That's the other problem. If you want to go live your life, fine, but don't ask me to pay for it. When my tax dollars are funding your surgeries and, and funding you teaching these ideologies and funding all of your, your crazy far left thoughts, it is affecting my life. You are affecting me. You are forcing me at gunpoint to pay for your ideology. That's the issue. I can mind my own business. Can you mind yours? And more importantly, can you stay out of my pocketbook? And welcome everybody to the Andrew Cooperwriter Show. Of course, I'm your host, Andrew Cooperwriter. And today we'll be covering a few key stories. Obviously, top of top of the ticket there, Cameron has picked his lieutenant governor, uh, state senator Robbie Mills. We'll talk about that. Baristas in Louisville are on strike. Um, what are they striking over? That's what we're going to find out today. And what are they asking for? And then finally, I'm going to talk about what I did to upset the left over this last week or so, a few days ago, uh, when I discovered one of the stupidest stories that the Herald leader has ever published that I've ever read. But before we get to that, please like comment, share, subscribe, uh, as always, if you're watching this on Facebook or YouTube uh, or Twitter or Rumble and you want to listen to the audio only format, you want to be able to take it on the go with you and follow along, you can listen on any major podcasting platform that includes Spotify, Apple, Amazon, iHeart, uh, Google Podcasts, really anywhere where you can listen to podcasts, you can listen to the Andrew Cooper Writer Show. So without further ado, let's dig into it. So baristas in Louisville are on strike. Uh, baristas from the um, Starbucks coffee shops. I'm seeing reports of some of the Heinz Brothers baristas are well are striking. And then as well as uh, Son Goros. I'm going to be honest. I've never been to, I've never heard of the coffee shop. It's spelled S. U-N-E-R-G-O-S, Sungaros. I've never heard of it before, um, but people are striking from it. And and what are they saying? Well, they're saying they're striking for uh, a, a quote-unquote living wage. They say they're striking to for better benefits like health care. And then also as well, they are uh, making a, a list of demands um, along those lines in a way. And I say that because I have yet... I've read a lot of articles about them striking. Uh, I have yet to actually hear a concrete what they exactly want, which is odd because normally when people strike, they know exactly what they want. In this case, it sounds like they're just giving generalities. We want higher pay without naming a price, um, which is it's it's kind of like it's kind of like those car salesmen if that's what they're doing, where they haven't given them a price. Uh, an amount they're trying to make an hour. It's kind of like a car salesman uh, sitting there and saying, look, um, if you don't uh, pay me or, or a car salesman, a, a person selling their car saying, hey, uh, shoot me an offer. And it's like, I, I, I don't know. I don't know what's a good price for this or not. I'm not an expert. And so I feel like they're doing the same thing where they're asking them to name uh, a wage first. So then they have a starting point of negotiation. But here's here's the real problem here. Uh, with this as a whole, and I can say this as an employer, the problem becomes it, it's it's a degree of economics and and it's it's a part of economics of owning a business and follow me here. 
a lot of people think there's like a whole lot of profits to be had in a lot of these businesses. And granted, once you hit maybe a certain scale, you can see a lot of profits. But as you gain more employees and how those profits spread out, um, there's really not as much breathing room as some people think, and certainly not enough to satiate some issues. Like for an example, they say, well, we want higher pay because of higher cost of living and higher rent. So, okay, how much is higher pay? What do you want? You want two more dollars an hour? Are we talking about two more dollars an hour? So basically you want $80 more gross uh, a week um, after taxes. That's more like mm, um, maybe 40, 50 bucks a week more. So you're saying that the strike is over. Is it actually over 200 and some odd dollars a month if you're full time even? And I've got a feeling most of these baristas probably aren't always super full time. So, but if you are working 40 hours a week and you are full time, you're talking about uh, what would be maybe a net of 250 bucks a month. Um, is that really what's causing the strike? Is that really the issue here? Uh, probably not. You probably want a lot more than $2 an hour. And, and frankly, I just don't think they have it. Uh, a lot of these companies don't. You can look at companies like Starbucks and say, what do you mean Starbucks doesn't have it? Their CEOs make millions upon millions of dollars. Or you can look at owners saying, oh, they're profiting thousands of dollars. But the problem is, is okay, let's break down the math here. Let's say, let's say an amount of money to get these people back to work is $5 an hour. Well, the real cost to pay somebody $5, let's say more an hour. So let's say they're making, I read somewhere they're making like nine an hour. So let's say they say, hey, look, we want to make 15 an hour. Let's say that's their demand. They want 15 an hour, a living wage. And nowadays they say 15 an hour is their living wage. Um, or that's a common talking point. I've heard people go as high as 25 bucks an hour. But let's say they say we want 15 an hour. And so you want them to go from nine to 15. Well, the real cost, by the way, of paying you $9 an hour is actually more like 12 to $13 an hour. Why? Well, first you have occupational tax. Uh, that's a tax here in Kentucky that is charged to the employer based upon their size of payroll. Um, then you also have uh, workers comp and, um, unemployment, which is charged as a percentage of your payroll. And then when you look at your, your income tax at the federal level, when you look and you see you're paying social security or Medicare, or Medicaid, or what have you, the, um, your employer is matching that too as well. So in order for an employer to pay you 10 bucks an hour, it really costs them 15. So if they're paying you nine, it's really costing them 13. If you want 15, it's really going to cost them 20 bucks an hour to be able to pay that. And, and it's so funny when you hear people upset about their pay, but they don't turn around and say, hold on, there's this entity in this mix, the government that is making a significant amount off my labor. They're making 30 to 40% of my paycheck they take. And then on top of that, they're charging my employer another 30 to 40%, if not more of what I make. They're making uh, just as much off a labor hour that I work as I do the net amount I make per hour, the government's making per hour. Like that's out of control and they should be calling that out. Instead, they go after the employer and say, look, I need you to pay me more money. 
But do you think, I mean, I, I'm just being honest here. Do you think that the if, if there was that much profit in their product that they could afford to pay their staff $7 more an hour is what their actual cost would be or, or $10 more an hour because they're also asking for a lot of benefits too as well, healthcare and as such. Do you think that if they had that kind of profit in their coffee that they would not pay that? Do you not think that it would uh, uh, solve a lot of their uh, hiring issues if they're having any and attracting people in obviously. And that's the other strange part about striking, uh, especially when you're a barista, to be quite honest, is there's like a lot of other jobs out there. It's not exactly like you are working a, you know, a, a job like, I don't know, a welder. And this is one of the only companies in the area that hires welders. You're working in the food industry, in the service industry, and there's a lot of other people hiring for servers and, and staff within the food industry. And if you're saying, look, I want to make more than 15 an hour, there is a lot of opportunity to make more than 15 an hour. I mean, servers make way more than that. So what they're saying is, is I don't want to change my job. I like this parts of my job. What do they like about being a barista? They probably like the culture. They probably like uh, the slow pace work style that... It's not quite like working in other fast food industries. And I'm telling you, this is somebody who operates a coffee business. Um, it's it's that is one of the attractive things I know of working at a coffee shop compared to working at another uh, restaurant. I've owned restaurants at the same time. I've owned coffee businesses, and I can tell you that the um, the the pace of work at a coffee shop is actually not generally is high, especially if it's a sit down, one of these new agey coffee shops. Um, it's just, it just doesn't have the same pace to it. And with that in mind, um, not having that same pace to it, uh, it's, it's an attractive working environment, but the reason why you're being paid, what you're being paid is it's a trade-off. You get this work environment, you get this pace that you like, uh, that makes it to where you don't want to go get a job, uh, in a more fast pace, harder working environment where you'd make more money. And that is because you're being paid this amount. That's what they can afford to pay you. If it was more fast paced and had more going on, then they can afford to pay you more because they'd have more revenue. I mean, frankly, they, I just think they just don't have it. And, and what some of these quote unquote unions and groups, because we're seeing the UPS start to strike too as well. It's not a matter of, and this is just to be honest, it's not a matter of, of you want to be paid more and the employers better dish it out out of their pocket. Like I said, they don't have it. Go through the math here. Do you really think, do you really think your employer, the, the employer of a coffee shop is making even $5 in profit an hour off the hours you work? They're not. They're really, really not. And what you're asking for is going to cost significantly more than that. Um, you know, higher pay that it's actually different because as I covered earlier, what do you want? Two more dollars an hour? That's not really going to affect your life. And it's certainly not something generally people strike over. They, sh I would hope they're asking for a lot more if they're going to actually strike about it. And what's funny too, as well, is this protest rolls into a protest that started last month at some Starbucks that were upset that they were told they couldn't put up pride decorations in certain areas because obviously Starbucks was concerned uh, about alienating customers too much. And um, that caused a Starbucks strike. So literally Starbucks had an employee strike in certain cities because uh, they weren't allowing them to put up 
pride decorations they were striking over that. And so now these people, including baristas that don't work at Starbucks, are, I, I guess, they're caravaning and joining in on a protest going on at the Starbucks headquarters. As I said, um, I, I just, I don't foresee, I don't quite understand um, how this goes. And, and quite honestly, what do you expect? I mean, I, I've never, once again, I've been to Starbucks, been to Heimbro's, uh, never been to Sungro's. Uh, Heimbro's is a far left ownership of that coffee shop. Uh, they're big supporters of the Democrat Party, obviously. And you know what? This is what they get. I mean, they're big supporters of this type of communist type thinking of of the 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 you know this this idea that I just want it, give it to me. They support that. They push that forward politically. And now this is what they get. They're just desserts. Um, they're going to have to figure out a way to make this work or have to explain basic economics to individuals that don't even understand how pronouns work. And I'm not saying that jokingly. I was reading a Spectrum story and they got the pronouns wrong for one of the people and they had to issue a correction, which is funny. All right, coming up. The Cameron campaign has picked Robbie Mills as their lieutenant governor. We'll be covering that story right after this. With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, motion sounds something like this. Kizik helps you experience the magic of motion. With over 200 patents and easy on, easy off technology, you'll never have to touch your shoes again. There are hundreds of styles and colors, plus a squish like nothing you've ever felt. For a limited time, get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it all while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. All right. So the Cameron campaign has officially um, released who they will be, who I'm sorry, Cameron has officially said, so the Cameron campaign has officially announced who they will be uh, you picking as the lieutenant governor pick. And Cameron did this in an announcement uh, yesterday at 9.30 a.m. with this video here. Hey, it's Daniel. We are making a big announcement today. My lieutenant governor. I was looking for a true conservative with a strong track record of getting things done. Someone who shares our values and fights for what's right. And that's why I'm proud to announce State Senator Robbie Mills of Henderson as my running mate. Pro-coal, pro-life, pro-family, and a stalwart for Western Kentucky. Robbie will be a strong partner in our quest to defeat Andy Bashir and bring common sense back to the governor's office. Together, a Cameron Mills administration will start winning for Kentucky on day one. Join our campaign today, Cameron and Mills, your ticket for a better Kentucky. All right, so he has picked State Senator Robbie Mills. Um, a pretty safe pick overall. And as I covered in my episode uh, about Daniel Cameron picking who his lieutenant governor would be and how he is running out of time to do that, I had mentioned that one of the things he would be seeking out 
would be a strong connection to the legislature. That is obviously what Robbie Mills provides. It's a current legislator, uh, an individual who's well-liked amongst his fellow state senators and, and fine-liked amongst his fe fellow state house reps. He's not one to rock the boat too much. Um, you, you don't typically, for a lot of you listening to this, you may be saying, I didn't even know we had a state senator named Robbie Mills. And that kind of gives you an idea of why he is a safe pick, well-known to the leadership of the House and Senate, where he's able to help push forward some of Cameron's initiatives as he's trying to deal with it. Which, if I, if I'm Cameron, I'm picking out my uh, lieutenant governor pick, and I mentioned this, like I said in the episode, I'm looking for somebody who's not going to stab me in the back and somebody who can help uh, me with the legislative process. Something that I am not as familiar with because I was never a legislator. Now that being stated, going with this safe pick means he hasn't really necessarily going to shore up a whole lot of his areas where you could say, well, maybe he's trying to strengthen some of his base. Um, I don't think Robbie Mills necessarily brings in a whole lot of money. Robbie Mills is a, is a Western Kentucky. He he's Henderson um, and is where he lives, but that kind of fourth state Senate seat there is the area he covers there out West um, and the purchase area. And he, doesn't I mean obviously he can help you in that area rural area he wins um but I, I don't think he's going to necessarily help you look at a constituency where you felt you were struggling in and say look I'm going to pick people up there uh, I'm going to be able now to secure uh five ten percentage points that maybe I wasn't going to something he maybe could have accomplished with a different pick. I think it certainly signals too that the Cameron campaign, good, bad, or ugly, however you feel about it, is not going to necessarily be what I would call a cutting edge governor's uh, uh, administration. It's not going to be something like a, I, I don't think you're going to see something like a Ron DeSantis, Florida type administration. I could be wrong, but those are people who say, hey, look, Let's take a measured time and practice uh, in order to accomplish what we need to accomplish. And sometimes that's good. Sometimes that's bad. A lot of times these people are worried about, um, well, if we do things with the power, and this is something we see in our state Senate all the time here in Kentucky, if we do something with the power we've been given, well, then we might end up upsetting people and losing the power we've been given. So let's not use the power at all. Or if we're going to use the power, we're going to use it very uh, uh, um small. We're not going to use it a whole, whole lot. The other thing to worry about too, as well, uh, with this type of non forward necessarily thinking administration, um, if, if they are going to be administration, that's not forward thinking, not even saying he's going to be, is that you, you do have to be concerned. This is a opportunity. You have control of the state house, the state Senate and the governor's mansion if they win. And you'd like to think that, um, well, the Republicans with how strong red Kentucky is, is going to hold that, seat forever. They're going to have that kind of control forever. Um, and that's simply, we know historically not going to be the case. And as we see laws and, and standpoints coming into place across the country in order to fight back about some more liberal sides, there's a real interesting Daily Wire article that I read uh, that I'll cover at some point next week that talks about how these narrow majority Republican legislatures are actually more conservative than uh, legislatures like ours that are super majorities because they don't get past the same kinds of conservative bills that other places would because they don't think towards the future. That's, that's one thing that I think, uh, uh, 
we, we all think in politics that we're smart enough to see what's going to happen into the future. And we can't accept that we're not. And we hope for the best, but we should be planning for the worst. And what I see of our legislature, generally speaking, is they just hope that Republicans will always have power and are not doing what they need to do, passing laws they need to pass, getting things done they need to get done um, in order to protect constituents in Kentucky from what would be a... a um, more far left viewpoint, or rather maybe it is that Kentucky politics really hasn't changed. Uh, just the initials next to the names has as nationally um, the Democrats have gotten farther and farther left, but the original uh, ideas of the Republican government of a smaller government, lower taxes, less involvement um, with your local governments too, as well, while at the same time, making sure that if we're going to be taking money from you, it's being spent. Well, uh, those kinds of beliefs are, are not quite as prevalent, um, in the thought process as evident based upon re Republicans passing, uh, um, budgets after budgets that only grow bill after bill that requires higher tax revenues. Um, that's not the marks of a smaller government conservative Republicans. And so certainly we're going to be seeing a struggle if we move into having an all Republican government to actually get them to do some things that need to be done and, and look out for the future. And I don't think uh, the pick of Robbie Mills, while safe, doesn't exactly uh, communicate that we're going to see anything too massively strong. Am I saying you don't vote for Kim? Of course not. I'm saying that, um, you know, I, I don't know with that pick if I'd necessarily expect gigantic leaps and bounds and conservative uh, policies getting done. Um, it's not exactly like we, we basically, I don't think we'll have people at the wheel that really want to push it. Um, maybe that's good. Maybe that's bad. Depends on your opinion on that, but that's just something that I would be looking out for. Now coming up, we're going to cover what I did to upset the left over the last week. Make sure you get back with us because I will be covering in that segment one of the worst articles uh, I've ever seen the Herald Leader publish. We'll be right back with you. Take a deeper dive. I just, that announcement came out. We'll go into a deeper dive about who is Robbie Mills. But I want to share with you uh, this Kentucky.com uh, article. Well, it's important to, to see the post. So Kentucky.com shares out this article that they wrote that says, um, Walmart makes a key move towards offering inclusive shopping. Now, this is a part of what I did to upset the left uh, because I set off a firestorm in the comments because after I read this article, I came to, uh, I, was, I was just shocked that they would ever publish something so ludicrous. So I said, Walmart makes a key move towards offering inclusive shopping. And then they Top that was saying the retailer has made a big change that would welcome more people into its store. But recent history shows that risks a Bud Light style backlash. Now you would think reading those things together is they're going to be offering, um, making the same mistakes like Target did of offering um, pride clothing to kids where they can tuck their genitalia away, um, which is what Target did, or be partnering with transgender people or doing something uh, like that. But no, what they're really talking about is something entirely different. And clearly this writer, uh, Daniel Klein at The Street that they're publishing here, clearly um, is trying to overreach. This is not an opinion article, by the way. This is labeled as a business article and draw conclusions 
um, and, and trying to say that Republicans and conservatives as a whole uh, are just always upset at any store changing or doing anything for anybody. And so let's go over what Walmart, let's, let's read this article. The word inclusive has become a loaded one, at least for some people on the right side of, of the political aisle. Chick-fil-A, for an example, a company known for its owner's religious views and far-right beliefs when it comes to LGBTQ+. I love how they call it far-right beliefs. <laughs> uh, Christian beliefs are far-right beliefs now because that's what... And, and immediately, when you see that in an article, that tells you everything you need to know about this individual and what he thinks about people. Uh, that have hold Christian beliefs, but it, it, it leave it to somebody like you, you have this hometown newspaper in a rural Kentucky, not rural Kentucky, but you have this hometown newspaper in conservative Kentucky. And of course they're publishing articles where they say basic Christian beliefs uh, about things like the LGBTQ ideologies are far right. It's just th the mainstream for literally decades upon decades upon decades, literally up until just the last couple of years is not far right, but we continue. Chick-fil-A, for an example, a company known for its owner's religious views and far-right beliefs when it comes to LGBTQ plus issues faced boycotts when it placed a job ad hiring a vice president in diversity, equity, and inclusion. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis has also made inclusive a negative word, a part of his so-called war on woke. I'm, I'm skipping parts of the article to get to what's important um, as I'm reading this. Um, DeSantis, along with former President Donald Trump and right-wing news media, have made inclusive a negative word that connotates some sort of liberal pandering. It's actually defined by the Oxford, Oxford Dictionary as aiming to provide equal access and opportunities and resources for people who might otherwise be excluded or marginalized, such as having a physical or intellectual disability or belonging to other minority groups. Okay, so the first thing they need to understand about making inclusive negative, it is not conservatives that have made inclusive a negative word. It's the far left that has made inclusive into what it means. They stamp this nice sounding word like we just want everything to be more inclusive in order to prey on the niceties of people like you and I in order to excuse crazy ideas. Like if you're not willing to buy into the lie that a guy can become a girl and then should be allowed to use bathrooms and locker rooms in front of other women, uh, well, then you're not being inclusive enough. That is what they're doing. It's not just the word inclusive. It's what they're doing with the word and somehow doing this inside outside ran inside outside game of saying that oh well because the left has taken a word to mean something it never means to pray on the nicety of others that's just republicans attacking on an issue i continue in the thing though that seems like a noble goal, not an attack on america now walmart another chain known for its right-leaning founding family has made a move that to make its stores more inclusive. So what has Walmart done? Well, essentially what Walmart has done uh, in this place is they're trying to make their, their shopping. There's two hours of shopping they're doing in July and into August as school starting for sensory-friendly hours. What's this involve? Well, pretty much from 8 to like 10 a.m. and a lot of stores are going to turn off the music, uh, turn off the TVs, and dim the lights. So it's more sensory friendly for uh, kids that have that issue with, with sensory issues while they're doing their back to school shopping. Why would anybody on the right ever target that? 
Why would anybody ever do that? Why are you comparing? See, and this just goes to show, uh, why would anybody on the right have an issue with it? Like they say here, like literally in the article, they say, because it's been traditionally coming with conservative leadership, Walmart seems to get less scrutiny from the right than rival Target. Both companies, for example, sell pride merchandise, but only Target face a backlash from right-wing shoppers for doing so. Let's be clear. Let's be very clear. It wasn't just Target selling pride merchandise. It was Target selling clothing for children to hide their genitalia, to tuck their genitalia in. So that way children can be transitioned. That's the problem. That was the issue with Target, was this sexualized fantasy of children that they were promulgating while also pushing forward an idea and, and, and creating clothing lines for kids to change their genders. That's the issue. That's what everybody has a problem with. Literally, nobody cares with who you're going to sleep with at night. Nobody cares about those things. They care about it being shoved in their face and they care about you victimizing children. And there's nothing healthy or right about a seven-year-old, eight-year-old, 10-year-old child thinking they're another gender. It's not healthy. Anyways. They continue, now the chain risks angering its core audience and creating a Bud Light-style backlash by making a change for the back-to-school shopping season. The company detailed change in press release on the headline, creating a more inclusive shopping experience. So, so this article is taking the honest standpoint that they believe you and I, conservatives, are going to protest Walmart for offering um, sensory-friendly shopping hours. A Bud Light-style backlash. Bud Light got the backlash for hiring a transgender activist and celebrating a year of womanhood when this person isn't actually a woman. That's what Bud Light got in trouble for. This isn't the same issue. And trying to conflate the two is clearly this uh, uh, article writer's attempt to paint conservatives as some sort of mob that hates people with actual disabilities children that have sensory issues and say that, oh, they just, they hate everybody other than straight, white, normal people. And this was labeled as a business article. It's disgusting, disgusting. And so on Facebook, in this article, I um, commented simply this. I said, this has got to be one of the stupidest articles I have read from you. You honestly think Walmart will get a boycott for dimming lights, lowering music, and turning off TVs from 8 a.m. to 10 a.m. for sensory-sensitive people. You think that this is the kind of inclusion that upsets the right, really? Or are you just extremely intellectually dishonest? Clearly, what upsets us is ideas that victimize children and force others to buy into a biological lie. Nobody is getting upset over dimming of the lights. And while I got a massive amount of support, I did get some comments back like this one. And um, this, is, this is a prime example of the kind of intellectual dishonesty. Nobody's actually forcing you to buy into a biological lie either. That is the lie. Do you want to marry another man? Don't. You're comfortable with your sexuality? Fine. Leave it alone. Not everybody fits in the molds you created to which you seem to think everyone must conform. People are free in America to be whoever in the in TF they want to be. Your approval isn't required. Your bigoted attempts to deprive those who seek to find their true selves is exactly the infringement of which you accuse them. Mind your own business. Here's the deal. 
And I've said this time and time again, I'm not asking my government to make people over the age of 18 conform to my lifestyle. I don't give a crap what they do. I really don't. What we care about is when you're victimizing children. What we care about is when you're then shoving it down our throats. You are forcing me to accept the lie. When if I mispronoun someone, misgender someone, you get banned off Facebook or you get wrote up by HR. And if you've got a problem, if you want to go to your local gyms or, or, or bathrooms or what have you, you have to deal with accepting that this person is this person and you can't say anything different. That is forcing you to follow the lie. It absolutely is. I'm being asked to be left alone. I'm being asked that if my, to not push this on my child and not force all of us to buy into this idea that men are suddenly women. I'm being asked to not force women to compete against men. Or this idea that women are somehow men too. This, this gender bending ideologies. I don't care if you do it. Just don't expect me to go along with you and quote unquote honor your pronouns, but yet that's exactly what you want to do. You want to shove it down the throats. You want it taught in our schools and you want me to pay for it. That's the other problem. If you want to go live your life, fine, but don't ask me to pay for it. When my tax dollars are funding your surgeries and, and funding you teaching these ideologies and funding all of your, your crazy far left thoughts. It is affecting my life. You are affecting me. You are forcing me at gunpoint to pay for your ideology. That's the issue. I can't mind my own business. Can you mind yours? And more importantly, can you stay out of my pocketbook? Stop asking me to fund your ideologies. Stop asking me to play around with them. Stop asking that our children be taught them in publicly funded schools and stop exposing children to what is essentially porn, I'm fine leaving you alone. So are the rest of conservative America. But that wasn't the only argument uh, uh, comment I got. This one is another one that I find quite funny. They really thought they got me, but they, uh, they clearly don't know who they're talking to. Andrew Kubrider, what's your take on Catholic and Baptist churches and the Boy Scouts? I don't hear a lot from your side about those organizations uh, or Matt Getz. Come to think of it, the congressman. So I get the impression that victimizing children is negotiable. Um, first off, I don't care if there's an R or a D next to your name. If you're victimizing children, you deserve the harshest of punishments. See, that's the thing. I can be honest. Yeah, if there are Catholic or Baptist, whatever churches or priests that are victimizing children or molesting children, those priests should absolutely be held accountable. They should be sent to life in prison, possibly execution. I mean, a literally endless list of punishments they should receive for doing such horrific things. I don't care. That's the point. I don't care what ideology you're pretending to, to have or what ideology you're using to excuse the way you're, you're treating children, it's wrong if you're abusing them. I can remain that kind of consistency. But 
this person, of course, wants to play this. Well, the other side's, uh, uh, so this impression that victimizing children is negotiable. What's funny too, in this comment, they're also stating that they acknowledge that this is victimizing children and that is a real issue. I just, I cannot, it, 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 is, it is crazy to me to hear some of the left's intellectual, this is their intellectual arguments. We hear this time and time again. They make arguments that prove our points. Well, we're not victimizing children, but if we were, you should be caring about these other people victimizing children too as well. I care about it all. Or these comments of saying, we're not trying to affect your life as we want you arrested for misgendering or um, we want you uh, uh, to fund our far left ideas. It's just, once again, not very intellectually honest. Well, guys, that's what we have time for today on the Andrew Cooper Writer Show. Thank you all so much for tuning in. Uh, we'll be back here um, with a, another show next weekday at 1 o'clock. Remember to like, comment, share, and subscribe. Have a great rest of your day.